Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the AMP, the Almighty Podcast, wherein we're covering all things My Hero Academia. And right now, uh, that all things is exclusively the anime because it's what everybody's talking about outside of, I'm sure, leaks, which I have to dodge like bullets in the Matrix uh, on the Twitter <laughs> account regularly. Yeah, and uh, man, what a season to like be talking about. I think you and I even were just mentioning this is arguably the best My Hero content out there, like period. Season six is just so good. I would be very interested to hear somebody try to say that another season of the anime has been more exciting, a bit better animated, uh, you know, uh, has more of the community talking regularly about it. Uh, season six has just been banging on all cylinders from the first second of the first episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it, yeah. and it has not slowed down. And if the indicate, if, uh, the end of 121 is any, any indication, then it's not going to be slowing down for <laughs> quite some time uh, yet to come. So super fun. It, it feels like, it feels like we're holding on as we're watching season six, not like we're strolling through an, uh, an anime season, but that we're holding on to dear life, wondering when we're going to be able to catch our breath. And it hasn't given us that yet. And it's kind of awesome. Oh, goodness. I feel like a couple of seasons ago when we were dealing with the like 1A, 1B stuff, it was like being dragged through the season. This is like joyfully being, you know, like running through it. It's incredible. I will say, um, and, and this is something that I had uh, mentioned back during that 1A versus 1B stuff, that if there weren't opportunities for the two groups to uh, work together in the field in a real crisis situation in the future that were meaningful, that that would feel like a tremendous waste. And season six delivers on that, especially in uh, 121. We do see one, sure. 1A and 1B coordinating, understanding um, one another's strength strengths, weaknesses, quirks, that made me feel much better about that. I'm not saying that that totally excuses how long that stuff went on for, um, but it it did make it, uh, it, it added a bit of relevance that I was worried we weren't going to get. And, and so I was at least grateful for that much. I am kind of curious. I feel like in the Discord, there's been a lot of sentiment around this season being the one that everybody was waiting for. Like, oh, I can't wait to see how they do X, Y, or Z scene, or you know, just how they're going to animate the season in general, or how they're going to deliver on these various pieces. I'm not currently reading the manga, but I know that you do. Uh, are you feeling like it's pretty one to one? Like, are you feeling pretty good about it? Is it is it being translated the way you expect it to? Um, yeah, there are a couple of things that I'll point out in these episodes that I felt were done maybe a tad better or at least a little bit more clearly in the manga. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it, it does pretty much play beat for beat. And you're right. Like a lot of people in the discord have been excited about this. I think before this, the other thing that a lot of them were the most excited about was the My Villain Academia stuff. So it's been that long since they've been like, oh man, this, this stuff coming up is going to be super great, you know, um, but that, that feels like the mode in which we're living right now in that space. And that space has been expanding quite a bit recently. We've had some new folks following us on Twitter and clicking on that, uh, that pinned tweet and finding the link to the discord and joining the discussions in there. In fact, one of the, uh, the newcomers, uh, even, uh, deigned to participate in Quirkles this, uh, for this episode. So that'll be fun to, uh, to put their name and their contributions out there for their first episode. Speaking of links, you can like go and click and find uh, cool and exciting places. I recently decided to start a YouTube channel discussing mainly comic book stuff right now. So if you're into comics and whatnot, uh, there's probably a link down in the description to that channel. I'd love it if you go and check it out. It would mean a lot to me. Or you could just go and subscribe and then make sure notifications are off and make them feel good. 
That too. That would that would all be awesome. The the YouTube <laughs> algorithm is kind of funky like that. Like I don't you don't have to actually watch. Just subscribe and like and certain stuff, and it's it's like it it works. I don't know. It's magic. Black magic. <laughs> yeah. I oh, man, I've always hearing content creators complain about the algorithms there. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've not I've not gotten into it enough yet to complain. I'm still trying to figure out how all that piece works, but it must work pretty well. I had a small goal to uh, like have a hundred views uh, in one month. Like I thought, you know, that's pretty accomplishable, and I had a hundred views in like two days. So I was pretty stoked about that. Sweet. And I, yeah. I mean, you're probably not aiming to make this your main source of income like God, people that no. i usually hear complaining about the algorithms do so. no 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 no. i just uh i happen to have a passion for making content and comics uh, are my thing right now and i thought you know youtube would be a fun way to get kind of some new like hands-on material so i'm learning how to do like video editing and stuff and it's it's scratching an itch i didn't realize i had so it's been kind of fun he keeps trying to suggest that we get into video content the amp and i'm like i have uh, a face for do radio it. so so do I, but I'm making it work. <laughs> we could just, you know, uh, if you've ever seen the uh, uh, Discord picture that Adkins uses, it's like an Aizawa version of him. If I could get someone to animate that, we could just make it to where like our icons are animated. You would even have to be on camera. I'd be like VTubing it up for the yeah. AMP. Exactly. Hey, I tell you what, if you're out there, you're listening and you want to have AMP on YouTube, you let Adkins know. So that way uh, we can both be harping on him about it. <laughs> yeah, pop into the Discord and let us know. That's the only space where I'll give it any... Any real any kind of thought, yeah. <laughs> and even then, I'll be like, guys, I, I just don't, I just don't have time for that. <laughs> Think of it this way, though. Hey, if you we uh, do the video stuff, I'll have to do the editing. So you can it's not take necessarily true because I do video editing as well. Oh, that's fair. Well, then I just have a second set of hands. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. regardless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back into AMP related stuff. Uh, speaking of the Discord, I know that a few folks uh, that recently joined submitted some quirkles, right? Let's go ahead and talk about those. They did. So we had uh, one long time. You know what? And this is, I think I'm not confusing the folks here. Um, so Ness uh, is a name that we've talked about much on the pod. And, Ness is um, OG. Yeah, he's been around since yeah. like, I think he's listened actually to my oldest podcast content. Like he's followed... I know this sounds weird, but he's been kind of following us through like uh, our podcasting uh, adventures, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing about Ness was he wasn't really into any anime, and then we kind of dragged him into it, and then he binged, watched, and listened to the AMP, um, and has become quite the MHA fan. And, and so I've got a quirkle from him. And then one of the newcomers to the Discord, I think it was Papa Mufasa. I hope I'm not confused. He, now, he submitted a quirkle, Papa Mufasa did, but I hope I'm not confusing him with somebody else that was new that also said that they've just crazy binge listened to the AMP uh, to get current, uh, skipping over the Vigilante stuff because they haven't um, had any exposure to that. So that makes it a little bit easier, but still, it's a it feels... I mean, with honestly, every two weeks, it feels like that Herculean task grows more Herculean because we've got so many episodes. We're recording our 119th episode right now. It's a lot to listen to, especially considering that uh, most of our episodes go north of an hour. Yeah, especially lately. It feels like the last maybe six months, I don't think we've had an episode less than 45 minutes at the least. Oh, God, no. We, we've we've been more like, oh, you know, 80 to or uh, yeah, uh, we, we've been closer to an hour and a half um, pretty regularly. Uh, because we let our thoughts and our word count get away from us sometimes. But anyway, um, in in that in that uh, spirit, let me uh, spill out these two uh, quirkles from these two folks. So first was Ness, uh, again, pulling from the October word list. But as you're listening to this, um, by the time our next episode comes out, you will be able to draw from the November word list. So be excited about that. I've already got a quirkle that I'm trying to define uh, or to... Uh, 
to uh, work out to Tomac levels of excellence um, currently. But Ness's submission was carry fault. Uh, this user can activate this quirk by shaming their enemy for their mistakes, and it fills the target's mind with doubt of their own ability and also weighs them down physically from the burden of the guilt. I really liked that particular Oh, that part. is cool. Yeah. Um, it can affect multiple targets, but if there's a prolonged period of time where the sh uh, shaming doesn't persist, then the burden is lifted. So you've got to like, pers like uh, consistently shame somebody for this to kind of lock them down. And then he says targets that truly believe they have done nothing wrong are not affected by this quirk. So I like that there's a little bit of a willpower out of that. Um, the physically uh, way down part is what really, I think, sets that quirk off, in my opinion. That's, yeah. that's a cool wrinkle to that. That's a nice touch for sure. Yeah, and I, I do, I'm with you, kind of, I like the fact that there's sort of an out there, like if you uh, don't feel bad about it. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. If you're just a shameless individual, then, uh, you know, they, they're not going to do anything to you. Um, so Papa Mufasa uh, submitted two. The first one is called Equal. Uh, and he says, executed similarly to Erasure via Eyesight, the user of this quirk is able to equalize a target's strength, speed, and stamina with their own. The drawback Ooh. to this would be anyone weaker than the user would get a power boost. So, so I imagine the user of this quirk would keep a relatively frail physique and be a sidekick that has to keep uh, uh, that has to keep strategic placement. Um, so they're they're extremely vulnerable because of their frailty on the field, but extremely valuable because they can make somebody else equally frail. I think that's a really cool uh, take on a quirk as well. Man, do you take someone with a quirk like that and mix them with like uh, Fumikagi and have Dark Shadow like encapsulate them as like a piece of armor or something? You could have a pretty crazy combo there. That would, that be, would interesting. be interesting. I would think too that the wielder of this quirk would probably want to do something uh, like what bodybuilders do when they're prepping for like a physique tournament, uh, when they like stop drinking water and everything to really cut that last percentage of fat. Like if you're always on that cusp of like about to faint, basically, you right. could make villain just boom, immediately fall. <laughs> like to what degree does this work? You know, <laughs> that's kind of an interesting quirk. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. His second one is called Catch. The user of this quirk has the ability to completely halt the momentum of anything they stop with their hands, regardless of size or weight. Um, Dude, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty nifty, too. It's a, maybe a little bit like Rock Locks. Um, Rock Locks has, has similar elements um, to that. Uh, but I like that, too. There's something's coming at you, and you can say no, and, and it won't, um, <laughs> regardless of uh, size or weight. Which means that, you know, it, it, it could be that that frail person, for instance, could have stopped something much larger than himself if he had both of these quirks. Um, so I like that. Uh, the Just giving it more range of size and weight doesn't matter. Meteor coming towards the earth, throw the guy with catch at it. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, good work. Those are some awesome quirks. I know. This is so much fun. I'm, I really am excited about the first episode of November. Um, because I've I really am Tom Mac, like I said, has raised the bar for these things, and and Ness and Papa Mufasa also brought some A game level material. Uh, so I've I've already looked at some of the words for November. I've picked out one or two that I think I'm going to work up and and try to uh, try to impress uh, our friends in the Discord and and uh, get on their level with these quirkles, man. Yeah, absolutely. You should do it. You should do it. We need to start keeping like a running list of these, and then get someone to start like animating them or drawing them that drawing these people that would be that would be really fun uh but quirkles aside man what do you say we hop into episode 120 of season six we can do that we're going to cover episodes 120 and 121 uh if you're reading in the manga this covers uh chapters 276 
through page four of 282. I have no idea what happens if you swipe or turn the page past page four. Now I'm looking, I think this is a benefit of looking at this digitally um, as I was thinking about this uh, when I was reading through these chapters. So if it was a manga volume that I had and page four happened to be on the right-hand side, I could visually be spoiled with something on page five because it would be laying open with two pages, right? right. Um, so a benefit of the Shonen Jump app for me um, is I can swipe once, and unless something is spoiled in like the middle of a page um, where you know our coverage ceases two panels into six panels on a single page, then I have the luxury of being like, this is the last thing I saw, I'm done, I'm shutting it down. And I, there's no risk of me um, seeing anything that is beyond this. So page four of 282 is where Aizawa catches the, uh, the delete around in his leg, that's all that that's if you don't want to read past that or don't want to be spoiled what is c- upcoming in the next episodes of the anime that's where you need to stop. Man, what a huge cliffhanger that was too. But we're not we're not quite there yet, so. <laughs> not yet, but we'll get there hopefully within an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, yeah, definitely. Uh well, I do not have the title of 120 written down. I've got 121, oh, but apparently I've got It was a cool one. I like this one. Was it a cool one? one? What, yeah, it's what called it? Disaster Walker. Oh yeah, that is pretty cool. Man, I think walking really disaster might have been a uh, like flowed uh, like off the tongue a little better, but disaster walker just sounds so much more badass. Really, it does. It could f- almost feel like that could be his quirk name, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we we open up with one twenty, basically just kind of recapping that like Jakku City is totally wrecked. Uh, we see that there are kind of on the outskirts of the city certain uh, groups of people trying to uh, like basically leave or get out, evacuate, and we do see that some of these appear to be like actual police officers kind of trying to navigate these crowds away and everything. Uh, and then we get this quick flash of All Might and Eerie basically like looking in on this from I think they're at they're UA just it. sort of watching, yeah, mm-hmm. on the on the internet. Uh, and we this scene, this opening scene here is kind of I don't know. It feels it feels I'm going to say relevant to some extent to just sort of the chaos of the world where like we're very aware of the fact that there's this city that is just being destroyed. Like these people's lives are being wrecked really. And then we're getting these shots of like Deku's mom, who's just kind of doing her thing. And then like Endeavor's children are in school or, or I think the, uh, the, the daughter's teaching and yeah, Fuyumi. Yeah. And then we get like Bakugo's mom, who's just like reading a book on the couch. And it's like, these people are completely unaware of the fact that like their loved ones are in a very dangerous situation. And on top of that, the people in the city are, are kind of having their lives as they know it end. And it's like the world just continues going on, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird sometimes to see that happen, but it happens every day to us. And the, the last scene is all for one, just sitting in his jail smell. Yeah. <laughs> keeping that in <laughs> right the last scene here is uh all for one just sitting in his jail cell with this massive smile on his face like that ruin that he wanted is happening yeah you get the sense from this scene that the news hasn't quite gotten out yet i mean this the beginning of this episode is a news segment where news crews are finally in helicopters trying to figure out what's going on they don't even really know what or who the the heroes are even fighting. They can't see it. They can't get close. Likely um, didn't know the heroes were even there because this is yeah. all a secret operation. So Right. And so the rest of the world hasn't, um, it, it, you know, it'll happen where, you know, it happens in movies where something will be on the news and like one of those weird old timey like television store windows where there are like eight TVs and all of a sudden they're all playing the, this news segment and people yeah. start to, you know, they start watching it. They start calling their friends and family say, Oh my gosh, you need to watch the news. That hasn't happened yet. Um, so we get Inko out shopping, Fuyumi at school, uh, Natsuo also at school, but as a student, we even see Ray who we haven't seen in a long time in the nursing home. 
Uh, and then it's funny, you did mention that uh, Mitsuki was in there, Bakugo's mom, um, and she's reading a, a, a little Katsuki memory book that has this delightful little bomb on it. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was great. Um, and the the question that the news reporters ask is, where's our country headed right now? Which is a, it's a great question. And that question asked over the news waves is going to start arresting attention soon. It just, everything is happening so fast and, and it was done so secretively that it hasn't caught everybody's attention yet. Yeah, we pretty much pick right back up where we left off with the uh, fight between Shigaraki and Endeavor because this is just, I mean, it's getting insane. These two massively powerful people just trying to wreck each other and then Nomu having appeared from beneath the city. Everyone would have thought that Nomu had you know, been destroyed uh, by Shigaraki's quirk. Even Gran Torino is just absolutely shocked that the Nomus are there. And Endeavor is trying to fight off Shigaraki. He actually does get in a couple of jet burns here, but Shigaraki's just deflecting attacks left and right. And I think he's explaining that he's got full control over his quirk in this scene and that like he didn't have to destroy the Nomus along with everything else, basically. I wonder, so two things about the Nomu. One is the, the roar from the dog face Nomu that we also saw at the end of 119 um, is repeated in this episode. And it just strikes me as so freaking silly. I, I think that it's because it's literally a man screaming and they didn't seem to like put any kind of effects on it in post. So it just sounds weird. Yeah, I thought um, it sounded kind of weird too. But number two, they that was this big reveal at the end of 119 that there are these new Nomu. We don't see anything of them in 120 or 121 it's like that fight is taking place completely in the background if we were going to see it at all i have no idea but that seemed really strange to be like here's this big cliffhanger bomb at the end of 119 and then i mean they they show it again literally the same scenes in 120 but then don't follow up on it Yeah, yeah it's like the nomu just completely disappear because like we we see more Shigaraki and Endeavor fighting and we see the kids and Gran Torino end up in that fight, but like there are no Nomu around them. So, and I think we might get a scene in 121 where we see some Nomu kind of on the outskirts of the main fight happening, but you're right. It felt weird that they made this, this like big cliffhanger that then kind of just never followed up on it. Yeah. It, it just felt It wouldn't strange. surprise me if we get like a, some recapitulation in the next few episodes of other heroes, maybe fighting these Nomu or something like that. Cause we do, they, they seem sort of important. I mean, we go on to find out that like the uh, doctor that is with present Mike is kind of explaining that these are like beta high end Nomus and, and they, he, he basically gives them the name of like near high ends because right. they can't think on their own, like the high end Nomus, but they're as powerful almost as the, as those Nomus. So well, we get we do, we do catch up with uh, Endeavor and Shiggy, and uh, this there's a distant shot that looks like they're just playing a game of tag that Shigaraki is winning. Um, but it's it's really them bouncing off of one another. Um, and when when Endeavor goes for another Hell Spider, Shiggy just jets behind him and sends him right into Ryukyu's giant dragon bosom. Like Ryuki was flying up, uh, probably in support, and Endeavor just gets like a. Uh, uh, like double axe handled down straight into her chest and she cushions his fall. <laughs> She's out. Um, but uh, Endeavor does manage to get back up after this. But there's before he does, there's this dope scene where Shiggy is standing on top of them both in the rubble, mocking All Might's triumphantly raised fist from Kamino. Oh, it's so good. Uh, he's just Oh, wow. I don't even think I picked this. up on that. That's yeah. awesome. He even says something like, is this the right hand or something like that? Oh, That's yeah. What, yeah I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. I was like, what is the is he referencing here? That's what it is. Dang. Yep. Yep. That's there's some shade, some, man. There's some cool references uh, in the in the course over the course of these two episodes. But uh, Endeavor asks about the Nomu and Shiggy explains his new level of control. Um, oh, 
So this is, there is some background fights. I forgot about this. In the background, one of the flying Nomu just has a hero's body in his talons flying straight up. And then another gets grabbed by like a Suyu-like tongue or some such. Um, but that's basically all that we see. <laughs> um, but Shigi admits that he couldn't save all the Nomu. So, you know, like I, I just have in my notes, it could be worse. Like there could be more. Like as bad as this scene is, Shigaraki is saying it could have been worse. <laughs> so count count your blessings, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. Uh, we we kind of catch back up with with Deku and Bakugo. Deku's thinking about like this worst case scenario thing that Gran Torino mentioned, and he's thinking, you know, like, okay, what what is this worst case scenario? And we we sort of switch back over to the fight, and this is where like Shigaraki and Endeavor going at each other's throats, and Shigaraki kind of realizes like, hey, I'm basically fighting with like a quarter of my strength here because of Aizawa, and he real, I mean, he's realized this before. He even had what was it like two episodes ago where he's just saying like Aizawa you really are the coolest yeah and so he kind of has this realization that like all right Aizawa is incredibly important I need to go after him so Shigaraki totally switches his game plan and goes after Aizawa of course Aizawa also is like oh god I'm really really important (laughs) so he's uh he's kind of getting upset because Shigaraki is saying like hey you know you're in the way like i need to go and take over the world or destroy the world or whatever you're the thing keeping me from doing this you're the one in the way and uh, Aizawa has this awesome moment here where he just says, like, no, like, I've got to keep fighting. I've got to keep up. We've, I've got to see my students graduate. I have to be there when they become heroes. You're the one that's in the way. Mm-hmm. Such an incredible scene, man. Yeah. So Shiki gets past all obstacles with ease, despite the fact that Rocklock moves to intercept. Just gets right by him. Something that I'll bring back up as significant shortly. Um, not even Gran Torino realizes that he's going to be fast enough to make it to um, to intercept Shigaraki on his way to Aizawa. But thankfully, Deku is. Um, and there's this glorious shock on Aizawa's face when Deku comes rushing in. It's oh, so yeah. stinking good. He's like and, visibly moved by this act. Yeah, yeah. Um, in just a second, you know, Manuel is keeping his eyes um, lubricated with water. Um, and just in a second, uh, that water, the volume of that water doubles. Like. Aizawa is definitely in tears here in a minute. Um, oh yeah, I have in my notes that this is that moment, like the student saved the teacher. Like yeah. this is this is one of those moments, you know. So Deku's like, if Shigaraki can't use his quirk, then let us fight too, because of the Nomu, the heroes won't get here in time. Back up, um, and there aren't enough people to go against Shigaraki. Shigaraki, if he starts using the K again, then the worst that could happen calling back to what Gran Torino had him to sit there and think about is for us to lose Mister Aizawa. Um, and then we get this really quick flashback to Aizawa telling Deku way back when during the like softball toss thing that he's like, with your power, you can't become a hero. Uh, but, uh, Midoriya says he protected us this whole time. The worst that can happen is losing him. And I, I just have an all caps in my notes, our smart boy, he figured it out. <laughs> and that's when, uh, the water around Aizawa's eyes doubles and man, it, it's such a moving scene i'm probably going to say this multiple times in this episode but 120 is one of my new favorite episodes of my hero of all time it is so so stinking good and it's not a knock on anything else that's happened in season six or even 121 which is also good all of them have been great but 120 has probably cracked my top five episodes of all time there are just so many good character moments this being one of them there really are well there's so much opportunity for these incredible characters too well, this scene that immediately follows, I thought was super awesome because like Deku is kind of confronting Shigaraki. He's got his you know attention focused on him and out of nowhere behind Deku comes Bakugo with just this awesome sit combo. He pulls off an armor piercing gun, 
and uh, Deku uses his new quirk, the Black Whip, basically to restrain Shigaraki. Uh, but this doesn't stop Shiggy at all. Like Shigaraki's just like, hey, look, I'm done playing around with you guys. I'm not interested in you at all anymore. And he just like runs forward, sending Deku flying, and goes yeah. right past Bakugo. Like An unnecessarily silly but awesome scene of Shiggy just whipping Deku out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So Bakugo too, um, Bakugo, as he rushes in, screams, let's do this rationally, which right in the feels for me. Um, and then you have this other, this other line delivered by Shigaraki where he's looking at Deku or at Bakugo rather. And he says, I'm not interested in you anymore, which is a callback to the freaking kidnap. And that's got to sting Bakugo like hell, but it was so, it's such a good line. 120 is so good. Oh, man, there are a lot of little callbacks here that I didn't catch. I'm glad that I've got someone that pays more attention than me because I like in three watchings, I did not catch some of these things. That's incredible. But yeah, he, you remember he, they kidnapped him from the summer camp and basically tried to flip him. Yep. And so he's now just being like, yeah, I'm not not interested yeah. in like that anymore. I, I don't need even, you, man. Hadn't even considered it being like that. That's that's a, such a cool callback there. <sighs> so I, good. I love what happens, too, because uh, Shigaraki's face meets Endeavor's fist. Like, and just out of nowhere, Endeavor's got his hand up, basically, and Shigaraki flies, like, right into it. <laughs> and uh, Endeavor turns to the, the boys, and he's like, hey, where's Shoto at? They pretty much reassure him he's not here, which I think is all he was really looking for. Like, uh, hey, Shoto, is he alive? Like, cool. My son's not dead. I thought to ask. I did the dad thing. <laughs> I, I clapped. This is, that's a big thing for for Endeavor. It is, I, yeah. Man, I'm t- in such quick succession, there are all of these really cool character beats, and for him to wide-eyed turn to Bakugo and Midori and be like, where's Shoto? I was like, damn it, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Got me right in the heart, man. And it's showing that Endeavor is starting to have a little bit of that going on for himself, too. Yeah, it's awesome. And Gran Torino turns around and it basically like entrusts Aizawa to a few of the others. I think it's Rocklock and Manuel, basically. And he's like, you guys need to get out of here. And then... yeah. Like everyone else pretty much turns around and it starts fighting off Shigaraki, which I thought this was weird. Why didn't Gran Torino do what he said he was going to do and be yes. Aizawa's legs, you so- know? In my notes, I have GT telling Rocklock Emmanuel that he's counting on them to be Aizawa's legs. Those were his words in the subtitles anyway. So two things. One, somebody called 911 because I have been robbed of Gran Torino having Aizawa riding him like piggyback <laughs> through the sky. I've been robbed. Uh, and then number two, their track record proves otherwise. Shiggy was able to get past Rocklock with ease. With the, ease. Like, it, I was just like, this, yeah. this doesn't, doesn't seem Do you think the thought process there was like... Grand Torino has to be thinking like, okay, Aizawa is a grown adult. He's a well veteran. He, he, he should be able to take care of himself along with these other pro heroes. I now have two kids. I also have to worry about like right here is one for all. I've got to make sure this doesn't get stolen. Do you think that was going through his mind or? I mean, he's, there's an argument to be made that he's working with what he has um, with no other heroes on site with those two already cradling Aizawa. But uh, I, I just, there there were better solutions well i mean uh, i'm just thinking like he when he was going on site to be aizawa's legs he wasn't fast enough to save aizawa so maybe he made that split decision of like okay i'm not faster than shigaraki it doesn't make sense for me to be his legs yeah i mean the, the he's doing the best that he can with the with the tools that he has at his disposal right now especially with the new wrinkles even that endeavor is is learning that you've got these two students on the scene uh, so it, yeah, I mean, it's, I just, uh, you know, I just wanted what I wanted, man. You know, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I wanted to see Aizawa riding around on, uh, Gran Torino's back, but what are we going to do? Um, there are some reflections on how Shigaraki's physical abilities are like All Might's. 
um, and and Devers just like, I don't know why you're here, and there's no fixing it now. <laughs> so I he's love like, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, y'all need to support a racer. Uh, and Bakugo, he te- he tells Bakugo, you protect Deku. Um, and Bakugo, I have just in my notes, he's being assaulted b- by all sides in this episode. Like Shigaraki's been like, you know what, uh, I'm not interested in you anymore. And now here, Endeavor's being like, hey, you need to protect this kid. <laughs> like you lay your life down for his if you have to. You're not the main character, man. Um, so but what's and, wild about that Bakugo. is that Endeavor doesn't know that that Deku has one for all. Like, why is he telling Bakugo to protect Deku here? I didn't like that because I don't know. It doesn't. It feels like there's indication that he knows that Deku needs protection. And I don't think that that's the case, A. But B, the only reason he, I could have thought that he would have said that is he knows that Shigaraki wants Deku, which he doesn't yeah. really know. You know what well, I'm saying? He, he does because Midoriya said in the last episode, I have reason to believe that Shigaraki is after me. He, doesn't, he hadn't said that's why. Fair. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's but fair. I think that that's the information that uh, Endeavor is working from. That's so, fair. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Shiggy realizes that he can win if he could just get his hands on Deku and Jet, though. Um, but he gets interrupted by the voice in his head um, saying, get one for all, become mine, little brother. Um, and this like rift open up on his face, like on the side of his face. It looks Dude, like scar tissue. I know. This... Much more of it opens up on his body in the next episode, too. When I saw this, I immediately posted in the Discord and was like, I was right. This has got to be this has got to be all for one, like invading his brain. Because when he does this, like when he starts to talk, it's, it's AFO's voice. And he's calling for his little brother. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. even a scene here in a moment uh, where Shigaraki's like, hey, dude, get out of my head. Which I don't know. That just It feels like it lends credence to my, my theory that I had. So I'm still bankrolling that right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes all the sense. Um, Endeavor tries a hell spider, which is just, you know, insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. This is like the fourth or fifth hell spider I think he's tried in the last couple of episodes. But yeah, yeah, like um, Endeavor or like Shigaraki's not burning at this point, man. Like, yeah, Shiggy uh, is thinking to himself that his uh, that all for one's sense of self is too strong. So he says, it's my power, my body. I'm not being made to do this because of a hallucination of your voice, which I think we're in agreement. I don't think it is. Um, he says, I thought about it back then, how even someone called the Lord of Evil, and that I have that in capitals in my notes because Garaki, earlier on, I think in this episode, called Shigaraki the King of Evil, Lord being a rung or two below a king, I would argue, as far as hierarchy is concerned, but uh, that the Lord of Evil was made to surrender by the power of just one person. I'm thankful for you bringing me up the way you did, but, and there's this cool shot of Shiggy kind of inside of All for One, um, in like this suit, this headless suit. And he says, I don't want to turn out like you. I want to be better than you. So shut up. This is my will. And then he decays the suit and it's so good. It was really cool. I really, really liked this moment a lot. Uh, then we get this awesome scene where Gran Torino just kicks the crud out of Shigaraki, like just absolutely wrecks him. And it's funny cause he's like, you know what? You're crazy strong. Well, I trained a crazy strong guy. So you know what? Here we go. And, and he says something like, don't trample on Shimura's memory anymore. Yeah. And Shigaraki just says, who's that? Like, I have no idea who you're talking about. And you got to imagine that this just breaks Gran Torino's heart. And he, he goes on to say that Shigaraki's existence pains everyone. And he specifically calls out Toshinori here, but he, he does say everyone. And gosh, Shigaraki just, just basically kicks GT off to the side, blows right past him and goes for an attack with Endeavor. Um, and it, I just kind of feel like, I don't know. It's like, he's not giving GT the time of day is the way I'm going to say it. 
Yeah, the action that happens here is a little hard to discern, but at the end of it, it's uh, both Gran Torino and Endeavor are stunned as Shiggy creates some space, and he says, I'm taking one for all, and Bakugo is up and behind him, uh, like over, above, and behind him, and, and he pulls the pin on one of his gauntlets, and it's and uh, he's saying this uh, as he's doing this, just how much do you think you can ignore me? You must be high. That guy's bait talking about uh, Izuku. And so he pulls the pin and there's this amazing explosion that just wreathes Shiki in a pillar of flames. Um, Deku smashes uh, Shigaraki out of it and then Endeavor hits him with a vanishing fist. Um, and he reflects, Endeavor does, on All Might telling him to find his own way of being one or, number one. And we get this kind of inside the mind glimpse into Endeavor as he says, even if I can't do it with my power alone. Um, which is not a mindset that he would have had a hundred episodes ago. Um, Heck, it wasn't a mindset he would have had two weeks ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> but he's he's starting to really understand that this teamwork thing is is how he's going to do it. Like he can remain the number one, but he's he he realizes that he can't do this thing on his own. And I think again, another really good character beat for him. Definitely, uh, we get our segue transition here. We check in with HQ, our our basically uh, faceless faceless folks. Uh, they basically say that hey, they can't reach Team Endeavor, but the press has seen what they are calling pillars of fire, so they're at least pretty sure that they they think Endeavor is alive. Uh, otherwise, though, Edshot Team has checked in. They've sealed off like the villa area the best that they could. They do have a lot of resistance now, and Gigantomachia basically is on the go. And that's where we catch up with Jiro, who is uh, got her ears plugged into the ground. She hears Gigantomachia coming. Uh, he basically grabs the League of Villains and just like nopes right out of that area. He he has Spinner on his back and stuff. Yeah, it's weird too because. The last time that his hand erupted through the rubble, Toga was framed by it, you remember? But she's conspicuously absent for some reason from that scene, which is the same scene, only minus Toga. I thought that that was weird. No, she's there, I'm pretty sure. Not when his hand bursts up. Oh, like, you're you right. Remember how she was standing on the up, rubble? Yeah. She's there. Like, uh, Gigantomachia snags the League of Villains, so Compress Spinner, um, Toga's are already back there. Compress gives Toga some clothes. Yeah, I like <laughs> that he, he has just those has preps. in one of his marbles, which is really forward thinking. At some point... He had the thought that I should have some schoolgirl clothes and one of my little marbles because somebody's going to need them at some point. What an awkward thought to have. But well, given her skill set, I think it makes sense that they come. Yeah, prepped. yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, Dobby comments on the strength of Machia's uh, nose as well. I think I remembered uh, saying something like, man, his sense of smell must be insane because he's sealed underground and they're 80 kilometers away. Um, so uh, Dobby makes a similar content uh, comment and then he tells Machia to wait, which I uh, thought was he- weird. Like, no one listens, like, I say no one, sorry. Gigantomachia takes orders from nobody but Shigaraki. I was just shocked that he kind of seemed to listen to Dobby at all. Yeah, I think that his, I, I think there his were it, a couple ways to, to kind of maybe think about that. So either uh, Machia's orders were to not leave without the League of Villains, and when Dobby was like, hold on, I'll be right back, that, it, that kind of rooted him in place until he could successfully retrieve Dobby. or. Shigaraki gave those lieutenants of his in the League of Villains a little bit of, uh, uh, c- like, commanding power over Gigantomachia, to a point. Like, they can't command him to do something that Shigaraki, or t- to not do something that Shigaraki has commanded him to do, but they might be able to give him pause, you know what I mean? That's fair, yeah. I just, it seemed kind of weird to me, but he turns around and, and grabs the, uh, 
computer skeptic. guy, skeptic. I had him listed as anxious in my notes, <laughs> which was kind of close, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious. We don't yet know why he does grab skeptic. Um, maybe he I'm wants to know what to he know screwed why. up that one time, too. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why he's just like, I'm not letting you die until you tell me what that one mistake was. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to see what future role skeptic plays in all of this. I agree. I was not expecting that. Uh, and I, I wonder if Dobby just likes him from a data analytics perspective, because that guy seemed to be able to have a really good handle on like all kinds of information. That's mm-hmm. something the League of Villains and Shigaraki in particular could probably use because he doesn't. I'm going to say he's not the most forward thinking like Shiggy just wants to destroy everything. But Dobby has bigger, more elaborate plans than that, it seems like. Yeah. So I'm interested as well. Uh, but we kind of transition away from that to see Gettin, who is uh, in my notes. I have Gettin is nailing Mount Lady. But really, that's <laughs> not exactly not what's anime. happening. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he's just slinging ice everywhere. Gigantomachia takes off towards his master. And this is the showdown you mentioned, man. You were totally right. Uh, Mount Lady tries to stop him, but there's no really stopping Gigantomachia. Like, he just straight up pushes her around. It is no yeah. contest. <laughs> She's being relentlessly pushed back, but she won't give up. The rear guard of the heroes is freaking out a bit uh, because themes, things seem to be going so well until just this second. Like, yeah. they were just receiving reports that everything was going well. Um, some of the pros from the rear guard take off. And uh, one, one of them also, while he was running away, looked just like a cricket talk from Pokemon. Um, I, I had the same thought. Oh, did you? Yes. Really? Yeah. Know. Um, Mineta is like, the heroes are all gathered together, right? So why are things getting worse? Like, <laughs> And that's, that's a great question. That's a totally valid question. Um, Dobby remarks that the heroes don't know that the League of Villain uh, and also Skeptic are on Gigantomachia's back. Um, Getin intercepts the heroes giving chase, even though they admit that they're useless against Gigantomachia. I guess they're just going to kite him for a little while. Um yeah, I, but, I love uh, this, too, because Gettin's looking around like, WTF is going on? Like, what is yeah. happening here? I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad for Gettin, but at the same time, he seemed like the only villain of the group that kind of had his stuff together. And now he's just like, what the hell? Like, I was sleeping. I went and took a nap. What did you guys do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he gets imprisoned by Cementos, who's like, so no matter cool. what happens, you should stake your life on your own job. And he just happened to get distracted. And I think... Was it you that was saying, did you mention that yes. he was just going to create a little like a cement coffin. coffin for him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he did. I was so elated when I saw that scene. It was just like, yes, this was so cool. And Cementos looked awesome in that shot too. He was pissed. Yeah. Redestro has emerged as well. He's fighting with Ed shot and he's wondering what in the world the heroes have done to the, to quote our savior, um, because he realizes that with Gigantomachia on the move, that must mean Shigaraki is awake, but probably incomplete because it's too early. But he does send a bunch of liberationists after Gigantomachia in support. Um, Kamui has Midnight riding piggyback in pursuit of Gigantomachia, which I really liked. We got to see somebody ride piggyback. Um, just wasn't Aizawa on Gran Torino. Um, Mount Lady's trying so hard that she pops a nosebleed. I loved that particular detail. Like, she is trying yeah. so hard and is unsuccessful. She slows him down. Um, Jiro confirms at least as much in the next episode. So she does manage to slow him some, but she cannot stop him. And she, But she is trying so hard that she's burst, like, capillaries in her nose and is just bleeding out of her nose. She's not been hit in the face. Not she's yet. She's just trying so hard. Yeah, not yet. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, that she just pops nosebleed just from effort, which is great. I thought um, that was cool. But then Gigantomachia just tosses her aside like a wet towel. Like, he's just like, all right, move, and grabs her leg and throws her. Yep. 
She gets she gets slung by like her head in the next episode oh, too, it's crazy. just effortlessly by Gigantomachia. He, he is like outclassing her so so much, but I appreciate the fact that she just keeps coming back. Like she's yep. she's playing that hero role, which I to be fair, I don't feel like we've really seen much from Out Lady. Like she's kind of just been eye candy, and now she's like really fulfilling that hero role, and it's really cool to see her doing that. Uh, but. To continue on into this episode, we kind of catch up with Midnight and Kamui. Midnight's telling him, like, hey, I want to get up close to his face. I got to get him to fall asleep as she's, like, ripping her outfit apart. And out of nowhere, Dobby just flames them. And then Compress throws a bunch of uh, his little compressed, like, marble things at her. And they explode into rubble from the villa, just sending her straight to the ground being crushed. And she's, we kind of get this scene like of her crawling around on the ground and she's thinking of like who she can phone call, basically. I mean, she's like, hey, you know, who could take down this guy? I don't think anybody could really do it. Like, is it, I think she calls Majestic uh, out specifically. And she ends up just kind of phoning Creati and telling her like, hey, this is the situation. Nobody's going to be able to stop this guy with brute force. I really want to put him to sleep. It's technically against the law, but under the circumstances here, I think this will be totally worth it. So you have two options. You either make a bunch of anesthesia and you use it. And if you have a problem with that, the only other option is for everyone to just get the hell out of here, like evacuate immediately. I'm leaving this up to you. And as she's saying that, she's like being attacked by a bunch of the it's not League of Villains. I guess it would probably be the Meta Liberation Army at that point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, not looking good for Midnight. I thought it was so strange that she mentioned she's she's like you said, she's trying to think of who who can take Gigantomachia down. And she says a cork that can stop that majestic. No, it's too big for him. And I was like, what does she know about him that we don't? Because his quirk is just he can create floating platforms that are f- like rings or something like that. We see it at the end of 121, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, what has she seen him do that makes her think even for a second that he might be the answer to this? Um, but uh, anyway, that's besides the point. She's going to blast this is, Gigantomachia up, up into space. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, this is the point in the anime <laughs> where... I have in my notes that uh, we should, uh, and I'm, I'm, I told uh, Adam this before the episode. I'm, I'm not being serious, but I've mentioned this in the Discord that we could have very easily called this episode of the ANT, uh, AMP Big Old Anime Titties because, holy <laughs> lord, they are all over episode 120. So Ryukyu's giant uh, dragon boobies play a narratively significant role in cushioning Endeavor's fall. And then this scene that they animated of Midnight, like get picking herself up off the ground after she had been knocked down by compress is just relative to the manga. It just feels a lot more gratuitously drawn um, than the than the pictures were in the in the anime or in the manga. Um, but good Lord, it is just all up in your biz. Um, so but we're not calling this big old anime titties, but you know what the whatever the title of this one actually ends up being, you know what the title really is. Um, but she does. She calls for Creati, um, and this is where another character gets a freaking great moment, and it is Momo. Um, she she is told by uh, mid, that by Midnight. She says, "I leave it to your judgment." And she gets this little flashback where Midnight is talking about Momo and says that she looks like she'll be a good leader, which is a callback to um, Momo and Shoto versus Aizawa, <laughs> and. Uh, it's it's so good. If, if she wants to put him to sleep, why isn't she doing it herself is what somebody asks. The, like the reality hasn't dawned on them yet that Midnight is down. And so you get this scene of Momo weighing her options and she's like, all oh, the heroes have left and she was told to run away either way. 
um, and she asks earphone jack. She just kicks into leader mode and she's like, I want to know how big this guy is. I want to know how far away he is and how long it's going to take for him to reach us. And then she like gets Mudman on standby and she's told that there's less than a minute until he gets here. G this is where Jiro says that his charge's sound has changed, that he slowed down a little bit because midnight is hanging on. Mount Lady. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I did say I have midnight in my notes, but it is Mount Lady. Um, yeah, she's like so, hanging on to his uh, to his waist with Kamui in tow as well, like just slowly, like being dragged behind Gigantomachia. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I like that the two of them are together because I'm pretty sure that they're teammates like out in the field anyway, Mount Lady and Kamui Woods. Yeah, remember when we saw that? Like, I'm not going to call it a relationship, but that friendship, like kind of bud at the uh, the festival. In episode one, they're together. Yeah, it's like one of the um, very first episodes. We, we yeah. see them hanging out outside of UA, uh, the big festival show. Yeah. But Momo starts popping out all these anesthetics left and right. And she says, uh, God, this is such a great line. She says, it's been a year since we enrolled in UA. And I was not taught by any teacher to be a hero who shows my back to the enemy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Kaminari <laughs> says another great line. He says, if we put our costumes on and go outside, we're heroes. Yeah. And I was like, God dang it. This episode is so good. It and is. so the, it ends with Momo saying, we're going to we're all going to confront him right here. 1A and 1B. Just kids. And oh God, 120 is so good. It's 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 in my top five episodes of all time. It, it's it is excellent. It is so stinking good. Lots of callbacks. 121 has some too, but 120 just has a special place in my heart right now. I can see why for sure. I love that too because like Momo's got to be thinking, you know, we can turn our backs now, but we're gonna have to fight this guy later. Like if we if we turn around, we lose this fight, and and that's really what it's coming down to. Like the fact that the students are having to fight these villains, the heroes are not winning these fights anymore. Not like they right. were in the first few episodes of the season. Right. So we get right into one twenty one, which is called League of Villains versus one A students, which is not nearly as good as just uh, Disaster Walker. It's not even really that accurate. I didn't feel like like they don't really fight one-on-one -on -one, like the title would that's make true you think so i, I wonder yeah. i almost wonder if they're doing that kind of weird comic booky thing where like the front cover has nothing to do with what actually happens in between the covers you know <laughs> that could be i mean there there is some exchanged uh combat between members of the league of villains I and mean, members of 1a less than two percent 1b is also up in there too um to be fair well um, but let's see league of villains although hold on when they go, t when they get up on uh, Gigantomachia's back, where the actual League of Villain members are, it, nobody from One B is up there. It's no, all, it's, all it's like Shoji, Ojiro, and uh, Ioyama are up there. But I'm pretty sure the title of this episode is League of Villains versus UA Students, not just One A have... Students. I have oh, UA. I have UA Students, but oh, maybe I just typed it in wrong. It could be. It could be. But either way, I, either way, good. it doesn't feel like like the that scene that you just described is the only scene where there's League of Villains actually fighting UA students. So I I don't <laughs> like the title of this episode. But regardless, <laughs> we got to pick up literally where we left off on this one because Momo is prepping the team. She's kind of explaining that she thinks Dobby is there since they are seeing these blue flames, which really means that the League of Villains are there. And really, the only way to stop this villain is going to be to put him to sleep. She wants to take these vials that she's creating and she's going to have everyone try to throw them into his mouth. And then if they make it, then he'll go to sleep. Uh, so they're going to try to make this massive trap. And it's really cool because they're kind of showing this trap being created. And it's like they've got Mudman softening the ground. They've got Manetta's balls on a bunch of string that are like laid out around that. Momo is making a bunch of more like what appears to be like vials. But I'm pretty sure this is actually the TNT that TNT. she uses later. Uh, and Gigantomachia is just like... 
on his way. Like, there's nothing stopping this guy. Uh, <laughs> we get this really revealing shot of Momo. It's like, I, I'm going to use the word gratuitous, I guess, but it's literally just like a chest shot of her with her costume wide open. I don't know why they had to do it that way. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that this is where we see Set, uh, Setsuna Tokage, the girl who can just make her body into a billion parts. Yeah. And I, I just have in my notes, her quirk will never not make me uncomfortable. I don't know what it is, but it just grosses me out every time I see it. Uh, I had but that she, thought. She of... tells Momo that Gigantomaki has arrived. And, and he does. He falls right into the trap. It was very well laid and planned by Momo. I have this weird thought whenever I saw her, like... <laughs> What if Gigantomachia accidentally ate like a piece of her? You know, like, <laughs> like you know, does that make any sense? I don't know. This is that that quirk in general. I agree. It's just, just kind of uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, Gigantomachia's head like pops up over the tree canopy. He stops into a soft spot. The League of Villains go flying because he basically just goes straight down into this trap. And it's really cool because as he starts to lift his head up, he's got Mineta's balls stuck to his chin, which is a sentence I thought I'd never say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're using that connected to the ropes, and they've got all of the strong heroes or the strength heroes pulling on those to try and open his mouth up while Saro yeah. and I've got her listed in my notes as the garden lady, but... Kendo. Ken- oh, oh, no. So Sato, Kendo, and Shishida are all pulling on the ropes. Right. But, um, Shiozaki is the uh, the druid lady. The druid lady, right. Her and Saro have got like tape and, and her vines are around his neck trying to keep that stabilized so Gigantomachia breaks through all of that though pretty quickly uh, which I kind of wish that when he breaks through the Mineta's balls would have like done some damage because of how sticky that they seem to be yeah I was thinking about that so number one I wonder if they if part of Momo's planning process was to look at Mineta and being like did you have a good poop this morning because it, <laughs> it could be relevant um, but his the balls that he does contribute to uh, the plan, they do stick extremely well. You got three very strong characters pulling opposite a massively strong character. Um, and they manage to stay attached for a good while. And they don't actually show Gigantomachia pulling the balls off. Yeah. Um, when he does remove them, he like puts his hands on the strings and then they cut away from him and they're no longer there. Uh, it would have been really funny even just to see him struggle with it just a little um, to give the strength of that stickiness a little bit of um, a little bit of credit um, to see Gigantomachia have to tug on it for a good couple of seconds before it finally rips free. Or just um, so have with you on like the rope break so that way like yeah. the balls don't actually detach. His balls just stay there. They just stay there. It's like a little uh, like uh, goatee he can't just get, you know, just can't get rid of. Yeah, look like a cluster of frog eggs up underneath <laughs> exactly. his chin or something. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, some heroes are climbing up on his back trying to take out the League of Villains. Uh, we quickly see Jiro's like, ear extensions get burned here. So hopefully she'll recover from that because they don't really follow up from there. But uh, the League of Villains get tagged by Kaminari's like, buttons that discs. he's using. Yeah, those discs. And he goes up in the air. He's about to get this awesome moment. Uh, you know, he absorbed all that electricity in a couple episodes ago, but he just gets hit with a bunch of rubble from compress. And I got to say, it's pretty sweet because he's replaced that arm that he lost uh, with basically this massive shotgun hand. So he can just yeah. like shotgun those little compressed marbles at people. Uh, and I'm a little, I don't know, jaded about this scene because like the... I feel like you're supposed to be under the impression that Midnight is going to die or has died because of the same exact attack. And yet Kaminari seems to be totally fine. I don't know. I don't like that. Well, it may have been the difference. But I mean, she she was she had those things come down on her. 
he seems to have been struck by them, but he might he might have fallen clear. I mean, when he does That's fall fair. to the ground. Raiko is like right there, the girl who sent him flying up in the first place. Yeah, that's true. I just, I don't know. I feel like with the way that they were both animated, I want, I'm not saying I want Kaminari to die. I'm just saying that like, <laughs> yeah. I want to see the same effects happen. If you're going to pull the same well, stunt back to back, make the same effects sure. there. You know what I mean? The, the other thing though is Midnight had nobody around her when the attack was popped on her that could have done anything to prevent damage. Kamui um, was but- right there. What like how did Kamui get from midnight to being on the back of of uh, Mount Lady? That's what I don't get. Well, I'm just saying that when it like in this case for Kaminari, like he's got a lot of people around them that might have been able to p- pull him out of the way. Maybe Sue tongue whipped him or you know whatever. Like sure. there are ways. Is Sue? No, Sue's not there. Sue's not there. No, no she's Sue's part of the there. evacuation team. Uh, um, over so somebody could have moved him out of the way or pushed the the rocks themselves out of the way. Like he had more options available to him for him to have uh, avoided a great, a good build damage than uh, versus her. Okay, I'll give you that. I just I feel like Kamui could have done more. Maybe maybe that's hypocritical of me. I don't know where Kamui <laughs> was doing, but she was on his back when that attack happened. So I'm just like, how did he go from that to? straddling Mount Lady or straddling Gigantomachia with Mount Lady. You know what I mean? There's like a weird disconnect there. So when Dobby attacked, he burned through Kamui's um, arms. And so maybe he, you know, ended up falling down as a result of that. And that's how he and Midnight ended up getting separated. Okay. Yeah, maybe I can see that. Well, regardless, uh, they do end up opening up uh, Gigantomachia's mouth here just for a short, short second, uh, because they all throw their vials up towards his mouth. But then Gigantomachia just kind of like heavy breathes on them and yeah. it's slams his jaw shut. Yeah, slams that shut. And then it's pretty cool because uh, while this sends like a bunch of the students flying, Dobby takes advantage of this, hops up on Gigantomachia's head and lights the whole area on fire with blue flames. Like just everything around them is surrounded in fire now. Yeah, and Dobby explains some of Gigantomachia's quirks. So he's got more than one as well. He's got one that turns morale into energy and one that cuts off pain sensors. And then he says, among others. So that's only the tip of the Gigantomachia iceberg. Yeah, he's like um, a cocktail of quirks that let him stay on the battlefield as long as possible. Right. Um, Toga looks over at Dobby and asks if his, if his arm is okay. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was such a silly line. It's like all uh, steaming and stuff. Yeah. He says, I don't know. Um, but Gigantomachia stands up, um, but Momo triggers her. Wait for it booby traps oh no creating another <laughs> opportunity for the students um spinner remarks that gigantomachia can burrow but compress is like you idiot if he does that we'll probably die. i know i thought um, that was so funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh their presence is actually putting gigantomachia at increased risk though they're realizing if he didn't have to care for us then this this would be going radically differently um a bunch of the scrub heroes attack and mount lady realizing that the students were trying to throw something into gigantomachia's mouth sets about trying to pry it open and this is when mina comes flying in covered in her acid man armor um and mount lady says i believe in you ua fledglings i thought that was such a weird thing to say but i understand what she was trying to say fledglings just seems like a weird almost condescending term there yeah i thought i thought that was kind of i just kind of chalk some of that up though to like maybe translation errors you know in the uh, the text that they put on there that could be Raiko is found cradling Kaminari, asking if he's okay, and his response is just lap pillow. <laughs> so I just have in my notes, so yeah, I'd say he's fine. Um, he's where Sarah he wants marks, to be, that's for sure. Yeah. Sarah remarks that while they aren't surrounded by fire, some have been separated, uh, so are on the inside of the wall relative to where they are. 
Um, in max viscosity, Acid Man protects Mina from the flames as she shoots her shot, um, and she winds up to throw her canister, um, but then Gigantomachia begins speaking, um, presumably out loud based on Mina's reaction and connection, like um, sense memory to it. Uh, so he says, the shortest route to Masters, wasting time on these these flies has cost me time, so I made a mistake in judgment. Driving them off just so they can't swarm me again is now the shortest route. And so now he's going to start playing hardball. Um, and he says, everything is for my master. And this is when Mina recognizes that voice. Um, and we get treated to a scene that we've seen before, but from a different perspective. Um, last time we saw this scene, it was from Kirishima's perspective. Um, this time it's from uh, Mina's. Um, an alternative perspective on the flashback that uh, where Mina confronts this huge monster in town. Uh, only this time, like Kirishima, when when he shared this with us, um, he was inspired by Mina's courage. And this time we see that once her courage was basically spent up, that she was actually traumatized by that confrontation. Um, and so she has this like uh, PTSD episode in the middle of the air. Um, and, and the visuals even like kicks her out of her hero costume and yeah. puts her back into that schoolgirl uh, school uniform and that vial just kind of slips out of her fingers. It was a really well done scene. It was. It was like she didn't do the follow through, you know, like if you shoot a basketball shot or something and it just like right. just slips. It's, it's such a good scene. And uh, Makia just like grabs Mount Lady by the head and sends her flying right after this. And it's insane because then he starts to go to crush Mina and it looks like I mean, this looks like Mina's lost, but out of nowhere, Kirishima comes in. He's in his like full uh, armor, unbreakable, unbreakable mode. Yeah, pushes her out of the way, takes the brunt of the attack. It's slammed into the ground. Mount Lady is like down for the count. Her eyes are whited out. I'm assuming at this point she's got to be unconscious entirely, if not dead. I'm, I'm thinking she's probably just unconscious. Uh, but Tetsu, Tetsu, Tetsu comes in. He grabs Mina, and he's just like, no, you dr- you left one off. Oh, Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Sorry. <laughs> Who even Mina just calls him Tetsu, Tetsu. I was like, hold on. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I reflexively wanted to correct her why she wasn't saying Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. <laughs> well, he comes in and grabs Mina and he's just like, dang, that Kirishina, he can't burn like me. So he rushed in faster. And, uh, you know, Makia stands up and, and he grabs the League of Villains and he starts to tell them kind of like, hey, like I've shaken everybody off. We're going to get going. Like, just hold on tight. Be careful here. But Kirishima is like climbing up Gigantomachia and he's doing it by like slamming his hardened hands into Gigantomachia's like outside exterior and piercing it. It looked it is exactly so cool. like the climbing animation from the Gargoyles cartoon from Disney. Oh, it did. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and I love this, too, because he says something along the lines of I won't let blood flow behind me, which is another callback. I, th- I think I have this in my brain that it's a callback to when they were doing the interview uh, practice things at UA. I can't remember if he was, it was the two ladies, it was Mount Lady and Midnight that were there, I think, doing the interviews. Uh, but one of them was talking to him and he said something like, I won't let blood, f- I'll be this wall or a curtain behind which blood won't flow or, you know, I'm making it sound more complex than he probably said it. But I think that it was a little, a little bit of a callback to that interview practice there. He's living into those words. Um, and he retrieves a vial and goes to uh, throw it, but Toga snipes it with uh, one of uh, her little daggers, but he managed to snag Mina's too. Uh, and this one, he does hit the mark after all. And this is um, where You Say Run kicks on for the first time in a long time. I know uh, 
some people on Twitter and in the Discord were talking about the triumphant return of Yusei Run, and I was just like, well, I'm over here waiting on uh, Hero 2 to come back around, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Ashido, he says, Ashido, I'll carry on your chivalrous spirit, um, because she is still... As because of his perspective of that same scene that kind of stunned Mina in this scene, uh, she is still one of his muses and inspirations, which I thought was a cool like parallel to the trauma that we saw in Mina. Uh, we see this uh, encouragement uh, on behalf of Kirishima. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then Gigantomachia just starts getting shot at, and we kind of see the smoke clear, and Kendo has a bunch of what look like cannons just shooting at Gigantomachia. Momo is, like, up on top of a hill all of a sudden with a couple of other folks, like, with hoods on. Yeah, wearing capes for reasons. Like, what a weird way to make this scene super dramatic. She's just, like, looking from afar, and uh, she's telling this other team, like, hey, you know, you got to get Gigantomachia moving. It's going to activate this anesthesia. However, like, Giganto Machia just digivolves, like, into this whole new form. I mean, it's insane looking. And then he just starts wreaking havoc. Yeah, it looks, um, it looks like his jaw becomes a visor or a face shield. Um, and then he gets even larger himself and grows more pointy. It, it kind of reminded me of the visuals for Doomsday when he's fighting uh, oh, yeah, Superman. Yeah. Like, as that fight progresses, he gets more jagged and big. Um, well, so if you're, I don't if you're referencing, know that that's like, a direct call but it could be i was thinking like if you're referencing the comics when doomsday's introduced he's in that weird like bio suit so as they fight that suit's getting torn apart and you start to see that like alien carapace that's really like rocky looking yeah man that is i didn't even think of that that is pretty close that's cool well meanwhile in jaku baka was frustrated that shiggy survived his super move from the last episode um and oh man endeavor comes onto the scene there's not much like japanese that i have rattling around in my brain that i've heard a lot in other anime, but Owadi Da is one, and that's what Shigaraki or Endeavor says to Shigaraki, which is like, it's over, or this is the end. He's like, Owadi Da Shigaraki. And I was like, <laughs> that sounds so freaking cool in this anime. <laughs> you nailed it, um, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh he he's telling Shigaraki, no matter how powerful you get, we will not yield to a destruction without conviction. Which is where in my notes I'm like, why are you leaving an opening like that? Because I know. Like, like I have that what in you're my saying notes. is prove to me that you're convicting or th- that you have a conviction. And we'll just let you do what you want. Mm. And it just seemed like a dumb way to phrase it. I agree. I have in my notes several times here at the end of this episode that just like the fact that Endeavor is letting Shigaraki monologue for so long blows my mind. Like there's even a point where I saw was like, dude, kill him. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, the 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 reason they, they do bury the reason a little bit in there. Endeavor was he he thanks Shigaraki for the break where he yeah. could basically recharge some. Even Gran Torino realizes that some of Endeavor's flames are beginning to weaken. So I think he was taking advantage of the the villain monologue. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Here. Well, Shigaraki, this is when he kind of goes into this is actually this really nice connection here, because then the last episode, we kind of saw that moment where Gran Torino makes mention of Nana Shimura and Shigaraki. He's just like, who the hell is that? Like, I don't know who you're even talking about. And Shigaraki opens this up and he says, you people, heroes, you know, you could, you do these things where in order to save a stranger, you don't even know you're willing to hurt your family. And he says, I had conviction. And Gran Torino hears this and he's like kind of, in, you know, internalizing this conversation and thinking about it. And we do transition over and we see like Rocklock is is frantically like, guys, let's get out of here while we have a second. <laughs> but Shigaraki just continues on. And and as he's doing that, I, this is when Aizawa is thinking to himself, like, guys, come on, do, you know, like give this finishing blow a thing, like make this happen. We, we need to finish this. Uh, but Shig- Shigaraki continues to say that like the model of society that heroes created 
attitude is just one that he never fit into. He says the trash that got used to being protected and those who created that trash in order to profit by protecting them, everything that I've ever seen, everything you all built rejected me. And that's why I will reject you too. It's why I destroy and it's why I become stronger. It's very simple. And he says, it's because you don't understand that we have heroes and villains. And I thought that was really succinct. Like, what a what a way to put that, you know? And Yeah, I wondered, one of the things that he says here is, in the end, the inside rotted, crawling with maggots. It was the little things happening over and over. There was the trash that got used to being protected and those who created that trash in order to prof- uh, profit by, cre- uh, by protecting them. And I just have my notes... <sighs> Like, created how? How did the heroes create those who got used to being protected? And the only answer I could come up with was by quirk regulation, by saying you can't use your quirks, but we can because we've got a fancy card. Um, Because it couldn't be... It couldn't be by quirk generation. And then the second question is, protected from whom? Because it's almost like Shigaraki is talking as if villains aren't a part of that system. He mentions two groups of people. sheep. And then the the uh, sheepdogs, if you're wanting to use like, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's terminology in his book um, on combat. He talks about there are these three groups of people. There's sheep, there are sheepdogs, and then there are the wolves, right? Wolves being the villainous people. Shiki talks about those two groups. He talks about the sheep, just the people that are in need of protection, and then those who provide that protection. But he doesn't mention at all the people... Um, from whom the sheep must be protected. Like it, it's that doesn't factor into his discussion at all. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. Well, and I think the reason that he doesn't, I think it's because we're not seeing it from his perspective, right? Like from his perspective, he's not a villain. He's just someone that didn't fit into the the society that that these people created, these heroes created. And when he's he's talking about this trash, I think he's specifically referencing the fact that like, hey. We have a whole group of people that aren't willing to help anybody for anything because they're not a hero. Like, I was a kid that needed help, and everyone around me just looked at me and said, oh, a hero will show up eventually. Yeah, or the police. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from his perspective, it's like, look, you've just bred this culture of people that aren't willing to help each other or anybody because they just expect someone else to do it for them. And when everyone else is expecting everyone else to do it the society is going to collapse. Like nobody's helping each other. The only people that actually do any quote unquote helping or good are the people that have these agencies that are running these for-profit hero agencies. Like, Hey, let's put Mount Lady on a bunch of shirts, a bunch of shoes, put a bunch of posters. Let's sell this stuff. Like all he sees is probably this capitalistic side of things. And he feels like he's a victim of the society, not that he's the villain of it. So in his mind, he, and I think, the fact that he surrounded himself with people that were also kind of victims of these societies. The League of Villains, it's almost like a joke of a name because they they don't think of themselves as villains. They think of themselves as victims of what the society has has become because they didn't fit the the mold that the heroes wanted them to. Like all of their quirks were ones that weren't good, quote unquote, for society. So they they're not villains. They're just the people that were left out. And they're right. they're, they're taken think- back on that, you know? I totally, yeah, I get that. Shiki's, he's got a good point in that the the hero system has made it such that the the regular citizens seem to be uh, either incapable or just not desiring of being helpful to one another. Yeah. I think that that's a fine critique of the hero society. But even if they don't see themselves as villains because of their perspective and their 
you know, their upbringings and experiences. There, there are people out there who can very easily be called villains, um, you know, who did, you know, weren't necessarily the dregs of society, but then have this quirk and then go out and do bad things. And they're villainous, they're powered villainous people, um, powered criminals. Um, and so I, there's, it's, uh, I was talking to Mark last night as I was, um, watching the third movie again. And, uh, I mentioned that I have a shirt, um, that says Magneto had some valid points <laughs> and Shigaraki's got some valid points. Like is both of them, are, would I call them villains? Yes. Do they consider themselves? No. Um, and in part of the reason that they work well as villains is because they aren't all wrong. Um, and I think that that makes it a very um, interesting um, experience to interact with them, where you see uh, them making actually really good points that should be addressed, uh, but addressing them perhaps in poor ways. And that makes them that makes them intriguing and um, entertaining to watch and to, or to read. It does. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, like if your solution to the problem is just destroying everything, you're probably a villain, right? Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and the fact that it escapes him is kind of ironic. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, uh, this is when Gran Torino kind of sees that like Endeavor is in fact getting weaker. He says something like Todoroki's flames have softened or something like that. And so he's trying to buy more time. He goes after Shigaraki and Shigaraki just absolutely like crushes his leg. And, you know, it's kind of funny because... We see Gran Torino like a handful of times in the past, and he's much taller, much younger, much more handsome and everything. So in the current like design of his character, his legs are huge. And I always just assumed it was kind of a costume choice, but it the way that Shigaraki like crushes his leg, it's immediate blood splurting everywhere, which makes me think that his legs are just that big, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. Man, because we have to keep in mind that while Shiggy can't use decay, he's still wicked strong. Like apparently all so, my level of str- strength. It's wild. Yeah, very close to it. Remember, his body couldn't quite get there without sacrificing the brain, but very close. And so he just crushes with one hand uh, one of Gran Torino's feet. Um, the, and then this sends everybody into a frenzy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's he really kicked the hornet's nest by attacking Gran Torino, at least with regards to Deku. And if Deku gets stirred up, you know Bakugo is going to get stirred right, up. Right. Right. Um, there's this moment where Gran Torino is looking at Shigaraki's face and he just says, what a face Shimura. And, and he's just like, oh man, there's, there, there's this flashback of her leaving Kotaro uh, behind her son, um, and explaining to Gran Torino back in the day when he was like tall, that, uh, <laughs> that she had doctored the records that she no longer has any kids because otherwise all for one would use, uh, the kids against her. And she just says, like, there's this line where she's like, none Sorohiko, which is Gran Torino's first name. Uh, I have no child. And it's delivered stoically in the uh, in the uh, Japanese. But th- she's shown like a frame later just weeping bitterly yeah. like this absolutely crushed her. And it goes back to some of the stuff that Shigi's talking about, where he's like, you will go out of your way to save strangers, but you'll hurt your own loved ones. and he's not seen or is unwilling to see um, or was kept prevented from seeing because maybe Kotaro didn't know either um, how much of a sacrifice she really made to protect them. Right. Like explicitly for that reason and how crushing that was for her. And um, consequently how crushing that is to Gran Torino, because he believes that this was a decision that 
they made. And so he feels complicit in all of this, man. It's just, it is tough. It is tough. We even see like um, shots of Shigaraki's father as a child crying, like being left, yeah. you know, and Gran Torino is having these thoughts internally of like, man, our decision, like, like you, you're almost kind of thinking That's he's it. saying our decision. Yeah. You know? like he's got to be thinking like, did we make the right decision? Like was, did, is it our fault? Like, are we here because of that one decision yep. all those years ago? But, but we don't know what he's saying. We get cut off because this is when Shigaraki just throws him into the ground, just absolutely decimates this poor older hero. And uh, Deku just loses his mind. I mean, like absolutely loses his mind. And we see Shigaraki grab something and go after Aizawa flying right past Deku uh, Ryuku flies in and stops him, but he like slams his fist through Ryuku's tail or leg. I, I wasn't quite sure what it was. Claw. Is it her claw? I think it's one of her claws. Yeah. And uh, she does end up grabbing him though with the other claw. So she's got him stuck and Deku powers up. He grabs Shigaraki by the throat and he says like, you're the only one I won't forgive. Oh man, that him grabbing him from the throat reminded me. I don't think that this is intentional, but it reminded me of the mall scene. Oh, I think that had again. to have been intentional. This was this was Deku's way of saying like, all I have to do is squeeze these five figures and I'll kill you. Yeah, like I think it was exactly that. Oh man, it's so good. But Shigaraki's and, and, response here is wild too because he just says, "I won't forgive anyone." I won't forgive anyone. Yep. Jeez, oh. man, like these last the end of this episode, it's got my skin crawling talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> But Deku, this is is kind of interesting. We get a different side of him in this last scene because he is internalizing this thought of like, hey, I've got to turn my anger into power. I don't feel like that's something we've heard him say before. This is this angry Midoriya is not something we've seen. Yeah, I almost think he's trying to channel it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I could I I didn't pick if there was a reference, if if this is a reference, rather, I didn't pick up on it. Um, I, I just think he's trying not to, I think he's trying to not lose control, maybe? restrain himself so that he can restrain Shigaraki. Yeah. As opposed to being unrestrained and possibly killing him. That's fair. He does make a mention that he just can't let him run. Uh, Endeavor is powering up. He's telling Deku like, Hey, just hold on one more moment, you know? And Shigaraki is like burying his hand through Ryuku's skin. And we see those two little like connectors kind of pop through and he's got a deleter round and he's got it pointed right at Aizawa. And somehow Midoriya recognizes this. I think, I think Ryuku, Ryuku recognizes it and says like, Oh, a deleter round. And Deku is like, Oh crap. And he goes 100% uh, Wyoming smash. He goes to, like, smash uh, Shigaraki's hand, I would guess, to try and, like, break it or have him drop the bullet or something. But, dude, Shiggy just catches it with his teeth. It's so wild. And, yeah, you know, like... I, um, I wasn't really impressed with the animation here. It's not really well animated, um, the one-for-all Wyoming smash. It actually looks better in the manga. Like, it's not very it? often that I would say that the manga looks better, does something better. Um but the, the manga gives a better sense of the impact in two ways. Number one, they give a wider shot. And so you see that kind of concussive force emanating out from Deku when he does the 100% Wyoming smash. But number two, in the, uh, in the anime versus the manga, Shigaraki's face fares much better um, for having either... It's hard to tell if he even stopped it because Shiggy has Deku's arm in his mouth, but there's a brief shot after the smash is thrown that he doesn't. So I don't know if the smash connects and just doesn't do anything and and then Shiggy grabs it afterwards or if he caught Deku's fist while he was doing this smash. Either way, it wasn't very well translated. It was weird, um, yeah. But in the manga, man, Shiggy's jaw is 
effed up. Like his teeth are all jacked up and stuff. In the anime, he seems not not all that worse for the way. Oh yeah, in the anime, having caught a hundred percent Wyoming smash in his mouth. Absolutely, in the anime, it almost looks like nothing happened. Like like Deku yeah. just threw a normal punch at him and Shiggy caught it. None of his teeth are broken up or anything. But I actually mentioned this in the Discord. I think you did as well. And someone told us like, yeah, in the in the manga, his teeth are all like all falling out and his his jaw is pretty mashed up. So. I'm happy to see that that was at least done better there because I wasn't super unhappy with it, but it felt like we should have seen more power, if that makes sense. Even if it was just yeah, like more like maybe maybe Shigaraki gets drilled into the ground a half an inch or something, something. But like what they yeah. gave us just didn't feel like it was 100 percent anything. Right. I agree. I was very underwhelmed by this to the point of being very disappointed yeah. in it, to be honest. I would almost have even been OK with maybe Shigaraki not having any damage, but I would want I would have wanted to have seen Midoriya have something because it's not like he goes 100% much anyways, so that should have damaged him too. That at least would have shown off like twofold kind of how powerful Shigaraki's become, but also how far Deku has. Like, what does 100% look like at this current moment for him? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but either way, well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild because uh, Shigaraki, as he's like, chomping down on on Deku's arm is just thinking like you know I could destroy all of them I could just kill every single one of them right now and he says I feel like I could stand up to any difficulties as long as he has his dream and that's when he flicks this round at Aizawa and hits Aizawa in the left calf um and the episode ends there pretty much what you see is this delete around hit Aizawa in the leg um and then the last scene is basically Aizawa um flanked still by a rock lock Emmanuel is drawing his knife and then the the end scene is his eyes still glowing that red, indicating that his quirk is still on. And that light does not go out when the episode cuts. It's not like it flickers and then fades out. And that's the end. He is, his eyes are red all the way up until the moment they go to uh, the credits. See, I thought that they kind of glimmered. Like, I thought that they, like, shined super bright red, glimmered, and then they, like, turned into that sunset that is part of the uh, the credits. I think... You want, are you ready for my wild theory? I am. I'm curious. I want to know what you think. So they they go out of their way, I think, to show him drawing his knife. You think the knife Aizawa. is going to be the thing that like blocks it? Like it hit the knife hilt or no, something? No, it's it already no, it's already hit him. I don't I don't think Aizawa's plan at all was to try to block that round with the knife. I think he's got a plan to use that knife to somehow keep his quirk. And the the only thing I can think is he's going to cut something off. But that seems wild, right? That seems wild I mean, that he would do that. But why else is he pulling his knife out? What's he going to do with no it? No way he, like, cuts his leg off with that knife. I mean, that's he'd have to, like, cut at the knee level because he got hit, like, yeah. right at the knee or right above the knee. So I, I was thinking, oh, like, man. I wondered, too, um, you know, this would be, an, you know, if you think about it like a snake bite, um, if, if you get... A snake bite or you're <laughs> bleeding profusely, something uh, like a tourniquet would be extremely useful. Sure. Could prevent the travel of that venom or stop the blood. But they're slow they they can be slow. And I don't know that anybody's got a tourniquet on their in their kit. What I do know Aizawa has is a knife. And I wonder if he's just gonna perform a little bit of a like field uh amputation. Well, he does kind of have a tourniquet though, because he's got his uh, uh Oh, his binding his cloths. binding cloth. So what if he does He may end up having to use those to stop the bleeding after he cuts his daggum leg off. But man, that's if, kind of if that's what he does. Kind of what I'm thinking though. Like what if he were to like 
cut open an artery right above the the entry point or something and then tourniquet everything else maybe to to kind of like leak the bad blood i mean we don't know how this works we don't even know that it's a blood entry system right but but assuming it is like that maybe that works yeah it's better i like that theory better than mine because my theory was hey they showed eerie in the last episode as a way to basically be like hey listen she still exists she's still around Epi- this episode they end on aizawa potentially losing his quirk they're just going to take him back and have Eerie erase it or, you know, turn back time a little you know, bit and, and make her relevant yeah. again. And then it'll be like, oh, well, you know, we showed that this can happen. And Aizawa was the proof in the pudding. So now let's do it to Mirio. And I don't know. I, I'm i worried that they're going to just kind of use her as this weird out for a bunch of stuff, like almost like a deus ex. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, though. Well, I will say that when Eerie was first on the scene... I was concerned that they were going to use her like that, that she would just be this resetting MacGuffin for whatever was going to happen to the heroes. They haven't done that in part because they're wanting, they've, they've used the narrative device of, oh, she needs to learn how to control this, um, which is great. And it makes all of the sense. Um, they haven't used, they haven't even attempted it on Mirio yet that we're aware of, but this is as high stakes as, as anything could really be in my hero. So if your theory is correct, it would make sense that they, so say Aizawa um, does lose his quirk. What, what the heck does that, how does this battlefield resolve if he does? Number one, well, that's... is Shiggy just going to freaking dust everybody because he can, because his quirks still there, his quirks are back. Um, so there's that wrinkle. Um, that's kind of the big wrinkle even in if... my theory, I feel like, is that like, yeah, like, there's no way they could get him back to Eerie to reverse this. And not, well, yeah, and yeah, 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 exactly. Like, because <laughs> like, not... if he loses his power, everyone's dead. There's and The yeah. only reason that, that people don't immediately die from this is that something happens to Shigaraki, and the, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the only thing that could potentially happen to him at this point is that AFO decides to come in and take over and doesn't like the idea of killing everybody, which also doesn't make sense. So, like, I just yeah. don't see any out here. I'm, I'm with you on that front. But but I would see like if there were some way that they were all magically whisked away from the battlefield once Shigaraki did get his quirk back, I could see them in a situation where they're like, uh, Aizawa, we have to let Eri try because you're our only hope. Oh, I think Aizawa um, would they, let her. I don't think that he yeah, would fight that. Especially because of um, the sentiments that was expressed at the, what was the end of the last episode or whatever, where Deku was like, uh Aizawa losing him is the worst case scenario so yeah. they've built they've built that up uh, I mean at the end so of the yeah, day I, it's only rational that they use her to 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 rescue him yeah and I think he could use he that same kind of thinking could be the reason why he lops off a leg oh totally yeah um it's rational I either lose a part of me um or we lose this entire war um uh, you know that makes him a maybe a slightly bigger linchpin than he actually is maybe um but i think that in the moment he a- he absolutely is that kind of linchpin um and so i wonder i mean again g- appealing to his rationality if he's like yeah this is going to suck but i don't see any other way that we could possibly win um or or at least get out of this alive even if they don't win this particular battle for them to survive it um, I, I think that there is a strong case to be made that Aizawa's quirk must be in play if they're going to walk away from this at all. Yeah. In any way that that walk away actually takes shape. And again, I'm I'm clueless as to how this is going to 
stop and then something bigger is going to happen later. Like yeah. I, I, it, it boggles my mind. I have no freaking clue. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Uh, it's, it is, it's crazy. Like, I just don't know how we get from where we're at to literally anything else because it doesn't feel like it could go either way right now. And, you know, I got to say when we first started the show, and when we first met Aizawa, like, I think you and I both pretty quickly fell in love with this character. Like, we both really like Aizawa. And you you obviously more so than me. But at no point in time did either of us, can I imagine, ever think that he would be this pivotal to a fight like this. Well, and no, and partly because our our brains had been tricked um, by him being a teacher. Sure, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Just that uh, change in status and occupation it messes with your brain where it's just like, this is his role. He's not out in the field. Um, and so I think that we got bamboozled a little bit, um, just because of his, his primary role in the show up to this point. Um, but again, the scales, uh, and the stakes are so high right now. Um, it makes sense that he's out here. You know who I haven't seen? Freaking Vlad from one B. Where's he at? <laughs> well, that's true. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, you know who else we haven't seen, and I mentioned this in the Discord earlier today. Best genist. I expected some sort of follow up by now. Like, are we really to presume <laughs> that, he's still that Hawks killed this guy? What? Like, I just, I, I don't know. That just seems so wild to me. That like they pretty much immediately insinuated that Hawks killed this guy to get into the good graces of the League of Villains, and it's just never been brought back up. Like, you're telling me that when Dobby and Hawks were fighting, Dobby couldn't have been like. Yeah, you even kill. I even tricked you into killing one of your own, and I still don't trust you. Something. I do think that that came up somehow between the two of them at one point this season, but there has been no like definitive resolution. Like we have, we honestly have no idea if Best Genius actually is dead or not. Um, if Hawks had to play so hard into his undercover role that he killed off a a pro hero, which doesn't make a ton. I. I want to say that that doesn't make any sense that he actually did kill best genus, but who knows? Maybe he actually had to. I just like, can you imagine seeing best genus like standing over or not best genus, but Hawks like standing over a very badly damaged best genus, just being like, sorry, pal orders are orders. (laughs) I don't know. Something about that whole thing just seems so wild to me. And the fact that we have no follow up, I don't know. I'm just a little, little bummed about that. What if he comes out of nowhere and like saves the day? That would be so wild. Well, especially because I wonder how much Hawks knew at that point in time. Did he know that it was going to be this cataclysmic? No way. Um, and if, no way. if so, would he would he have thought, well, these ends justify the means? Because if he didn't, and I would, I agree with you. I don't think that I hadn't really thought long and hard about the timeline because my heroes is kind of a mess sometimes. Um, but um, if I don't think that he did. And so there's no way he would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll kill off the, whatever the, what was he ranked number three or something? He was way well, up Well, that's there. the other thing. Like, how did they decide on best genus? Did Hawks decide that? Did Dobby decide that? Did, did whoever's giving Hawks his orders decide that? Cause he like best genus is a pretty prominent hero. It's not like he's the mm-hmm. 500th place hero that nobody's going to miss from, you know, Timbuktu. Like, no, this guy was in the limelight. Not only was he, in the limelight, but best genus is like pretty high up there as far as representation in the hero community. Like he had a pretty big agency. I don't know. I'm just shocked. Uh, I'm shocked that this hasn't Did come we back. Did we ever up. even see like news or other heroes react? Yeah, to his there was missing. It was status or it death? was like real off the cuff. I want to say that it was just like two news hosts or something in like a transition scene saying something like, "And best genus is still missing." 
Huh. And that was it. Like, I don't, man, it's I don't recall that. Very, very weird that they've just not touched on this at all. And I'm hoping that it's got a big payoff because otherwise, like, how weird would it be if they just finished My Hero and they never say anything about it? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, in classic AMP fashion, um, our theories regarding Aizawa will literally be the first questions uh, answered in the next episode. Oh, sure. Well, I say that. We'll probably have to sit through like two and a half, three minutes of the same content that we just discussed first. <laughs> then they'll get to the reveal. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that's going to wrap us for 120 and 121. Two, free, I mean, just good episodes. Really good I, I feel like um, I listened to a uh, a Child's Play uh, podcast that uh, reviews the show and the movies and all that. And one of the things that was really funny was in the first season, every episode, one of the co-hosts was like, this is my new favorite episode. Every single episode, he's like, this is my new favorite episode. This is my new favorite episode. I feel like I feel like that it, with a lot of season six. So much of it is so good. But so far, I will say that 120 is um, is a tier above even the rest of uh, season six. For me so far, I know some people are going to want to say that um, uh, one of the early, the, the uh, number five hero, uh, Mirko, episode is great. And it is. Um, but for me, I think that the characters got treated so well in 120. Um, and there were a lot of connective tissues between it and so much earlier stuff that it really stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you, man. This, uh, gosh, I just, I, I can't wait to sit down and like see more. I almost wish we could binge these, you know, like having to wait time in between episodes kind of sucks right now. Uh, I just want to be able to know exactly what happens. Yep. Well, we have to wait a few more days um, for the next episode, episode 122, uh, and then uh, a couple more weeks before you and I can sit down. Uh, in that time, Thanksgiving will have come and gone, uh, even by the time that this episode goes live. Uh, so uh, we hope uh, you'll have to forgive us our our uh, our stupidity for not wishing you at the end of our last AMP episode to have a happy Thanksgiving. So now we're going to have to hope that you had a happy Thanksgiving um, and hope that you will stick with us uh, throughout the, the holiday season leading up to the end of uh, this this year and and uh, through on through to the next, uh, so long as the anime keeps on chugging. We still got some other uh, things that we could cover in the event that it takes a break, um, and we expect that there will be some sort of break um, between the cores, but who knows? We're like I said, we're with season six. It just feels like we're holding on tightly yeah. and waiting to catch our breath. Absolutely. Well, we'll see everybody in what two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Have a good one, everyone. See you guys. Thank you.